and welcome along to episode 176 of the Jersnet podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers show made by fans for fans, where all of our content is always free. Uh, and that doesn't just start and end with the podcast here at Jersnet, but if you head over to our website at www.jersnet.co.uk, there's a whole host of really great content there as well, including match previews and reviews, articles, uh, a really good history archive, a friendly discussion forum. So as I say, please do head to the website at jersnet.co.uk and check that out. Uh, my name's Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your host on the podcast this evening. It's just gone 9.30pm on Sunday the 3rd of April. If you're joining us live on the YouTube stream, then thank you very, very much for giving us your Sunday evening. Not the easiest thing to do on a day like today. Um, but please do let us know your, your thoughts, your comments, any questions that you might have in the YouTube comment box there. Uh, Frankie is marshalling that as we speak and uh, we'll get to as many of those as we can. Uh, I'm sure plenty of you will have plenty to say after today's performance and, and let us know what you think that means for the rest of the season. Uh, if you're not joining us live, the podcast is, as always, available for download first thing on a Monday morning. That's wherever you get your podcast from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher and Spotify. Please do give us a wee like and a subscribe. It really does help to grow this show. Uh, as I say, my name's Ross Bennett. I'm your host today. I've got two excellent guests trying to pick the bones of, of today's performance as Rangers go down 2-1 at home against Celtic. Uh, first of all, Colin Armstrong. Colin, this is your second Jersnet show of the day and third of the weekend. Um, what's wrong with you? I know. I uh, suffer for punishment, I think, Ross. I think that's the best way of putting it. Clearly. Um, you and I had a, a chat yesterday, a wee preview show, um, about 11 o'clock yesterday morning, where we were full of optimism and confidence and spirit. We've uh, got much of that left? Uh, well, I, I predicted... Uh, Three things for today. I, I predicted Rams at score on the train going through. Eh, sorry, I on the train going through with my son. So I fancy Rams at score today. I also said I think we'll be behind today. But my third prediction was I think we'll win. I I I, I just saw Rangers conceding today. I, I thought we'd be behind, eh, and I know we'll come on and discuss all that. But the reaction in the second half, I think, was really poor. All right, we dominated possession and stuff like that, but a real lack of eh, <clears throat> desire and creativity and just just really really poor when you consider what was at stake today really really poor absolutely um the other guests that i've got with me this evening stuart we are stuart could you perhaps give us the, the benefit of your wisdom um how can i i was saying to, saying to saying to colin on the well, I like show yesterday off, i like a lot <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to Colin on the show yesterday, I got um I got engaged earlier in the week and I didn't expect to be dealing with heartbreak so soon afterwards. But uh, that's that's kind of how <laughs> oh, I feel don't. today. Um how can I how can I sort of get myself out of this slump? Um well I would I would appear less often with Colin because the weekend started badly and deteriorated. <laughs> and uh, uh, listen, like like every every you know, week or every month, year that you're a football fan, there will be things that will give you a dunt and give you a knock and you dust yourself down and you come back for more. Um, I, I, who knows? It might even be a bit like a relationship. I'm not quite sure. But um, you'll be back for more very, very shortly because um, <laughs> like a, a great many are a glutton for punishment. I, I, I just think... I just think this was a bad day, but I think actually what make, makes it worse is the fact that a great many people saw this coming. A great many people could have predicted this because of what has gone before over the previous six months, the, the levels of inconsistency. Um, and, and eventually, at some point in time, 
all the failings were going to catch up in the one afternoon, and today was the day. Yep, certainly was. Right, before we get into this, let me just uh, take a quick moment to, to talk to you about one of our partners here at Jersnet, which is Zenith Coins. Zenith Coins have produced the official Rangers Club coin, which is a symbol of loyalty, support and pride. And you can treasure the Rangers Club crest at home or take it with you indeed to Ibrooks. It is your Rangers coin for life. Each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim and comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and a certificate of authenticity. At the moment, Zenith Coins have produced the Rangers 150th anniversary collection copy. It's very limited edition. There's only 1,872 sets available worldwide. So it really is a once in a lifetime opportunity to celebrate Rangers 150th anniversary by owning this limited edition historic Rangers coin collection. Uh, they've produced five icon- uh, coins reflecting five iconic milestones of Rangers history forged and set into the one collection, including the Founding Fathers, the Stadium, the Cup Winners' Cup of 72, uh, nine in a row, and last season's 55th league title triumph, released in small batches throughout the year. Please do head over to the website at www.zenithcoins.com to find out more information. Right, gents, let's... Um, Let's get into this, Colin. As, as I said at the top of the show, we spoke yesterday about um, how Rangers on paper should be winning this game, better players. We we, we spoke about the tactical setups that uh, that, that might work, um, how we would deal with the absence of Morelos, etc. And uh, it all seemed to kind of be coming true after a very, very fast start. Second minute, Aaron Ramsey tucks in his um, second goal for Rangers. And it really felt that we'd sort of gone out there with with hunger, with desire, with aggression uh, and, and grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. Did you think that we would kind of kick on from there and really take charge? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's the start you're looking for, you know what I mean? We've, we've, you know, we, we came out the traps, we were obviously up for it. Uh, great ball from Bassey, you know, it, it reminded me of a ball that uh, David Robertson used to play to Loudrop quite a lot, you know, inside the fullback, between the fullback and the centre-half. For Loudrop to run on to. Great ball, Kent, good assist. I mean, we'll come on and talk about Ryan Kent, but, you know, a great assist. And, and for Ramsey to finish it, especially, you know, you consider how his Rangers career has been. You know, I think we've all been waiting for him to produce a big moment. That was a big moment. And I mean, I don't know uh, what it was like for anyone else, but where, where I was, the, the, the celebrations were, were, you know, proper limbs. You know what I mean? And, and you, you do, you feel at that point. <clears throat> We're going to kick on. Uh, you know, place is bouncing. The players look up for it. So, I mean, to concede, I mean, that first goal, I know we'll come on and talk about it, but to concede that goal, really their first attack, uh, a, a really, really poor goal to concede, I think. Uh, and then the whole game just seemed to turn on that. I, I mean, I don't think Celtic were... I mean, I think you could argue that they, they probably deserved it on the day, especially in, in the first half performance, but... I didn't think they were any great shakes, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I, I thought it, was, it looked like two very average teams today. They were just a bit less shit than we were. Uh, and, and and they've got the three points. So, yeah, really disappointing when you consider the start. Uh, I was expecting a reaction in the second half. And it never really came. Okay, we dominated possession. You know, we've pretty much had them camped in, in, in their own half. But they're really threatened. I can't really remember a save that Joe Hart had to make. You know, it was all very in front of them and then out wide and the, the deliveries into the box today were really poor. So yeah, I started well and then just bumped the shit. <laughs> Fell apart. It's, it's for, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, second half, we, we dominated a lot of possession other than a, a three out of 10 shot from Joe Aribo and a six out of 10 shot from Fashion Sakala. Joe Hart had not a lot to do other than a bit of glass recycling, which we'll, 
we'll come on to a bit later on. Stuart, how frustrating is it as a fan to to see us behind and, and then dominate possession like that, play the game in, in the final third, but but not actually really ever threaten? I mean, what's the what's the cause of that? How is it that we can have such high possession stats and, and play so much of the game in Celtic's half and not really ever look like scoring a goal? Um, I, I have to say, I, I, am, I am not sure. The start that Rangers made earlier on um, today and getting a goal that early, the, the phrase that you've used there, you know, expecting Rangers to kick on, Rangers don't kick on. Seldom do Rangers kick on if they get an early goal and an early... Every now and again, they'll score twice the first 15 minutes or thereabouts. They just seem to appear or seem to have this mindset that that one is enough. There are very few teams in in world football over you know a century have ever been able to play the game where one goal is enough for them. I mean if if you're looking at the, the likes of the great Arsenal team under you know Arsene Wenger or under George Graham where you know they, they famously made that team tune um, we, only, we only need one goal you know it's um, or one nil to the Arsenal or in games soon as his first season as Rangers manager when Rangers could could win games one nil I think they did it eight times that season but when Rangers scored they looked comfortable being in possession and maybe going for another goal I think Rangers think that just by holding possession the opportunities and chances will come but if you don't poke and prod and have a bit of direction about your play you can have all the possession in the world and nothing is going to happen and I think today was just another example of that for Rangers. Statistics saying you have 70% possession there is not a table, there is not even a history book published that says well, you won the prize for the most possession over the course of the season. Maybe the most goals, certainly the most trophies, certainly in le- uh, most league points or league position. That's what the prizes are handed out for, not possession. And and I do think almost like Rangers are in a, in a mindset where whether they believe what they're hearing in the dressing room or whether they're believing their own hype that, you know, we're, that, we're so good that you can't get a kick at the ball. The opposition teams don't need a kick at the ball that often if you're then going to defend the way you have defended and every counter-attack or any attack you're, you're faced with or have to contend, it suddenly um, becomes an element of danger. And I think somewhere along the line, Rangers, you know, Rangers will go maybe next week and beat somebody 5-0. St Mirren, next game, beat them 5-0, 7-0. What does it matter? Okay, you've shown everybody what you can actually do. You're supposed to do that in the big games. And I think this season has been one of frustration, simply because, you know, at times, Rangers have looked masterful, especially in European competition. But they come, they come back to the, 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 the bread and butter stuff. And they honestly play as if they hadn't been formally introduced. And I think until such times as Rangers actually get a midfield player who's going to drive them on and kick them on. You know, I, I remember, uh, again, back, I remember uh, an old firm game with Sooners playing, um, I think it was a, a New Year game, and Sooners got the ball in the middle of the pitch and basically, you know, shouted at Davy Cooper, here's the ball, you're the winger, do something. 
and dictated play by forcing Rangers onto their front foot and making the attacking players attack. And there is just nobody, you know, I'm not saying that Rangers should have gone out and they'll go and find a, a, the next game soonest, but there is nobody with that kind of scope or that kind of vision who will take possession of the ball, and I mean possession by holding on to it and dictating what what the game is going to be rather than just passing it side sideways or passing it square. I, I, I don't think there is... I don't think there's any scope or any vision from the Rangers midfield currently to 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 put teams really under the cosh and really put them in the back foot. Instead of that, as Colin alluded to you earlier, you've got you've got Celtic actually being able to defend on the front foot because they're able to just take two steps forward and suddenly Rangers with all this possession are put under pressure because Celtic are actually driving them back into their own half. There are some fundamentals that are missing within this Rangers team. But then again, I could have said that going back to even Steven Gerrard was manager. And, and ever since uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has taken over, it's a real feeling of Rangers and today it cost them. Colin, um, there's, you know, if we're looking for pass marks for, for certain players, one, one player that's been mentioned as, as having a, a decent a decent enough game is, is Calvin Bassey. Um, by the way, there's a there's a poll going if you're joining us live on the on the YouTube stream tonight. There's a poll you can vote for your man of the match. Um, and Calvin Bassey is uh, one of the favoured options at the moment. But is there an argument to suggest that Bassey was at fault for, for Celtic's equaliser? I mean, it looked to me that, that McGregor got by him too easy. Uh, in in the build up, and then he Abassi seemed to lose track of uh, of Tom Rogic, who was completely unmarked as, as the rebound came to him. How did you see that first goal for Celtic? Uh, I, I mean, and <clears throat> I, I don't think anyone covered themselves in glory in that first goal. Uh, but I, I'm I'm looking at Alan McGregor again. I mean, that initial shot, I I think he can deal with that better. I really do, and I think this time last season he deals with that better. Not only do I think he can he can hold it if he if he's not comfortable with the thought of holding it and he needs to parry it he, he could have parried it somewhere else other than where he put it and yeah it's uh, I mean it's been an issue all season the defence you know I mean Celtic had three shots on target today two goals that's typical that is so typical of of this season you know teams are, are only having to have two or three shots on goal to get a goal or two that's it that's all they need to do and it's been pretty much from day one the Lambell started running with me this season when, when we, we, we drew against Motherwell in September. Because you know, I think I think Celtic had drawn at Livingston that day. Uh, you know, and they, they were a shambles at the time. You know, they had, had the worst start to a premiership season since 1998 or something like that. You know, 25 years. And we were, we were getting handed opportunities to really stretch ahead. And we, we kept on passing them up. And that, that I wasn't at the game that day. I, I, was, I was in the city centre with my daughter that day. And I was texting my mate to score, and I think we were one hand up for a long period, and then bang, mother will score. And I just had a feeling that day, I was like, you know what? I, I just have a feeling that we're getting handed opportunity after opportunity because you always felt that Celtic would improve. You know what I mean? They were never going to be as bad as they were for the for the full season. You know, life isn't that good. You're not going to get that two seasons in a row. And I just, I just felt we're getting we're getting handed opportunities here to absolutely put this lead almost out of sight before Christmas and we're not taking them and, and that's what's killed us you know we can look at today we can look at the, the Celtic game in December uh, sorry February when, when, when we lost 3-0 you know I mean those are big games and all the rest that are, that are crucial but I'm looking at 
the two draws against Motherwell at Ibrox. I'm looking at the draw against Hearts at Ibrox. I'm looking at the draw uh, against oh, who was who else? Aberdeen at, at Ibrox. Uh, are, you know, your, our, our home form has been really, really poor. And, and even just a few weeks ago there in the Motherwell game when we were 2 on up, we had the, the opportunity to cut it to a point and really ramp it up. 2 on up, cruising, and then we, we somehow contrive to, to throw away and, 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 and let them off the hook. And you know what? <clears throat> I've seen a lot of criticism of Gio, and I'm sure we'll come on and speak about him. And he, and, and he has to, you know, you know, he's the man in charge. He has to accept some responsibility for this. It's been a 12-point swing since he's arrived. But I, I just think it's been all season. There's been an issue with this team all season. We've had opportunities to to stretch ahead we've, we've had opportunities to cut the gap and every time we fail and you know this 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 group of players I think we all agree that they're going to get split up and broken up at the end of the season they won, they won the league last year they got us 55 they you know they stopped Celtic doing the 10 and it was a momentous season they went the full season undefeated and incorrectly uh, they'll be remembered for that and this group have also given us some brilliant European nights I don't think we, we should ever forget that you know what I mean Dortmund over the last three, four years, Europe's been an absolute joy. But domestically, this team continues to let us down uh, time and time and time again. And last season was, a, you know, even though we won the league, there was, there was a, that's a typical example of how they've let us down. And how comical it can be. You know, the St Mirren game uh, in the League Cup, you know, we're 2-1 we're, we're down with five minutes to go. We've had a shite night and we're really struggling. And we pull it out of the fire. We get an equaliser with four minutes to go. Stephen Davis, boom, you think, right, extra time, we're back in it. And we still lose it in 90 minutes. We still end up losing that game. And the St. Johnson game in the Scottish Cup, I mean, that's a farce. You know what I mean? We're, we're literally 10 seconds away from qualifying. And we allow their goalkeeper to come up and win a header. And boom, they, they, they take it to penalties and beat us. So, I mean... As much as this group has, has has given us that special moment last season, and it is a special moment, and they deserve the praise that we, we got for it. Domestically, they have let us down time and time again. They've let Van Dronckhorst and Gerard down. I mean, everyone has given Gio a hard time now, and as I said, that that comes with the job. You know, it's a big job. But I, I think some of these players have chucked Gio and Gerard under a bus at certain points in the last three or four years. Yeah, look, I, have I, to I just sorry, just to, just to, just to sure. come in there. I think I think you're absolutely spot on. I think they're actually some of them at Ibrook just now, almost with the attitude of like, what do you want? We stopped Celtic getting ten last season. We won yeah. the league for you. We gave you fifty five. Listen, we did it for you. What else do you want off us? And I think that you know people can disagree with me. I think there are too many. If you actually watch, even the you know, even their body language, Ross, on the pitch at any given time. There's, I mean, people started posting pictures up about previous old forum games. And there was somebody put a picture up of Ian Ferguson grabbing uh, uh, Mike Galloway by the throat in an old firm game. Do you honestly see any Rangers player in that team doing the same in a, in a, 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 against Celtic? I, I, I don't honestly think any of them have got the stomach for that kind of thing. Yeah. Or Barry, Barry, Barry Ferguson standing over somebody, basically pointing the finger into the face after he's he's just done them, basically saying, "Don't do that again," or you know, I, I will do you for 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 real the next time. I just think there are too many of them who have turned 
capable players who have become passengers in the in the, this season because they think they've done it. And I think anybody watching Rangers and any Rangers fans that are, that are still saying, "Well, this team, this team really did it for his last season," you know. What makes a great team are the guys that basically dust themselves on week on week and go again. And not only go again, but go again over, you know, 40 odd weeks and win another title and then go their summer holidays and then come back. And the only thing that's in their mind is to repeat what they did the previous season. I think that's the difference between guys that are currently, you know, being pushed forward as having legendary status and the guys who are the true Rangers legends. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I have to say, I, I agree with what you've both said there. After a result like today, the result today has to be viewed in context. We've 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 lost an old from Derby. Uh, we've lost at home for the first time in, in God knows how long. Um, but it's also... March about, 2020, I believe. Right, there we go. But it's also <clears> about the, the context of the, the, the league, the season. We'll talk about it in a moment, but it's really, really hard to see how we come back from this domestically. Um, so in the wake of all of that, there's always going to be discussions about apportioning blame. And, and that'll go to the manager, to the director of football or the sporting director, Ross Wilson. Has his recruitment been good enough? Um, that's, a, that's a whole kind of debate we can have. The board... Uh, and the people putting the money in, should they have backed their staff a little bit more and, and gone out for the likes of Joey Veerman and, and Skov Olsen or whoever else it might have been in the summer and then they haven't reinforced enough in uh, in, in the January window as well. But I'm, I'm on the same page as you, gents. I think that the players have to take a, a huge amount of responsibility for, for not just for the result today, but for what that means for the context of, of this season, for the Champions League next year, for the the financial gap that this is going to impose uh, on Rangers against Celtic again in the in the coming seasons. Um, I think, Colin, it was yourself who made a, a really, really good point just before we came on air, is that the fact that one team is going to have direct entry to the Champions League next season is solely thanks to Rangers and our exploits in Europe over the past few seasons. And it looks like it's not even going to be us that benefits from that. That's down to the players for me. We have the players who last season showed that they can dominate games against Celtic. Remember that last game against Celtic Ibrox um, where Jermaine Defoe screwed Stephen Welsh into the ground. And remember yeah. how dominant this group of players were. It's the same team. It's the same team. Um, I think the players have switched off it feels like, I think Stuart, you're absolutely right. Again, we have a, a large core group of players who didn't grow up in the Scottish football tradition, who maybe don't understand the expectation of it's not enough to win once. You have to win again and again and again and be relentless. And that's not the course of one season. It, it, it's almost like you feel that they would go, well, we were relentless. We were relentless in 2020, 2021. That's, that's not what it means to be a Rangers player. Um, but, but Colin, you made a comment a moment ago about how Rangers started well and started aggressive and somehow contrived to lose that game. If we take the first half um, uh, just under the microscope, the first 15 minutes, I would say, we were all over Celtic. I mean, certainly the first 10, it was it was so aggressive. It was so tenacious. Celtic get the equaliser and uh, and... As the first half wore on, we lost our grip on that game. And actually, it got to the point where I was relieved to hear the halftime whistle and to go in 2-1 down. What happened? What is it that changed? I mean, is it is it a fitness issue? Is it a mentality issue? Did Gio change the tactics? Um, what what happened for Rangers to lose their grip? Uh, I, I just think too many. I mean, and again, I think this, this goes for the whole season as well, to be honest with you. 
I just think too many of, of Rangers' big players are not turning up on, 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 on week on week, but in, on, in bigger games as well, you know. So, McGregor, you know, he had one amazing save in the second half. I don't know how he saved that. Uh, that I mean, that was just uh, incredible, but it, 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 it just doesn't inspire confidence anymore. You know, it looks like it's just been one season too, too many for him. In, in terms of his career, you know, because this time last season he was he was phenomenal. <clears throat> uh, I, I don't I don't think he's covered himself in glory. Golson, I mean Golson, just he just pisses me off now. You know, what I mean the fact that he's never he's, he's not signed his contract and it's kind of rumbled on all season and it, and he he annoys me. Seeing him in at Rangers can see the goal. I've never seen him go. Oh, that was me. You know, what I mean I was involved in that. I always see him. He's he's a bit like Jordan Pickford at Everton. You know what I mean? Looking at other folk, well, you never done your job, you never done your job. And I sometimes think, you know what, mate, you're part of that defence. You are part of that unit that's conceded goals pretty much every week. So you are part of the problem. It's not just everybody else. So he pisses me off a wee bit right now. Uh, I, I thought Ryan Jack was poor today. You know, that, that's someone you're looking to, to, to dominate that, uh, that midfield. Ryan Kent, just, just not good enough, I'm afraid, this season. I mean, last season again, another player that really turned on last season three league goals this season. You know, for the money that the Rangers paid for him, seven million, <clears throat> and and for what you know he can do, because he's, he's, he's done it. I, I just think we're, we've not got enough out of him this season. You know I mean? It's just three goals, it's not enough. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just today, especially in the second half, I mean, he started well, he's assist. You know, it was a great ball in for Ramsey, but the longer the game went on, it, you just thought, he's just not offering anything. You know, goes, he was doing that thing where he goes to the left to right. You know, he gets the ball at left and runs across the face of the goal. But nothing comes it, and he's shooting outside the box over the bar. And really, really poor. Joe Aribo, how he stayed on the part the full game is nothing short of a mystery for me. Uh, I, I said to my son like halfway through the first half, I was like, when Joe Aribo runs it, and he looks like he's towing a caravan. You know, he just looks so slow. And I think I think we'll come on and, and talk about him. But he, I mean, his. Uh, contribution to the second goal is, is nothing short of farcical as well. So, you know, these are these are big, big players. You know, I, I felt a wee bit for Ruth today. Uh, Frankie was saying that before we came on here, and I agree with that. You know, obviously we missed Morelos, but I don't think we should have missed him to that extent. I just think the service that he got today was, was so poor. Uh, so, I, as, as poor as he was, I'm a wee bit more forgiven to Ruth. Uh, I, 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 I don't completely blame him for today. But other big players in that that team really, really let us down today. You know, guys that you're looking at thinking, this is the type of game that we expect you to turn up and give us the goods. And they didn't. They just didn't do it. You know, they were they went on the game. Outside of Ramsey, uh, sorry, outside the well, I would probably maybe would give Ramsey pass marks. But pretty much Lundstrom and Bassey. Other than that, you're, you're struggling, really. See, I would, would I give Ramsey pass marks? I don't think I would. I think um, a lot of industry a lot of, of trying stuff, but a pass was either over hit or under hit, or he was always a half yard offside. And I actually, I felt the same with Ruth as well. Uh, I felt that someone needed to teach Kamar Ruth the offside rule. Um, but look, it's, it, I guess that's kind of by the by. I, I, I very much agree that you're, you're really struggling to pick players that deserve any sort of congratulations today. Um, Stuart, let's do a wee post-mortem of the second goal that we conceded today. Um, High-floated ball comes in from a set piece. There's um, 
been a fair amount of criticism, I think, levelled at Alan McGregor for the second goal for not coming and claiming it. One critique of McGregor throughout this season has been that he doesn't control his box enough. He doesn't come for cross balls enough. Um, but as as Colin alluded to, there are potentially some criticism for, for others, maybe Joe Aribo for essentially hanging back and watching it all happen. How did you see that second goal for Celtic? Everything you've said there, um, you know, um, a carbon copy of what you've said. So I, I, I wouldn't re- re- repeat myself or repeat what you've said there. But um, I think that there has been a feeling in terms of McGregor. You know, compared to last season, it was immense, and he would still be my player of the season from last season. But whether all of a sudden there is a he still has the ability and the capabilities to produce the save that makes you, you know, ask the question, how did he get that? Or how did he reach that? Or, or did he actually save that? And it's only when you see replays sometimes, you actually see that he has actually made the save. But he has seemed loath to even defend his own six-yard area. And, and for me... You know, having played a bit in goals when I was younger, and and sort of pretty much studied every every great goalkeeper, be the Rangers goalkeeper or others, there is a an area that a goalkeeper says this is mine, and it's usually the six yard box. And for McGregor, there have been too many, as you say, floaty balls into the box or airy fairy balls coming in that he has either ignored or flapped at, or got himself into difficulty when trying to punch. It just hasn't looked convincing at all. Now, and, and Andy Gorham, you know, when he was at his best, there was criticism that, oh, he doesn't dominate his box. He did dominate his six-yard box, and he would wipe people out. You know, I remember Richard Goff, um, after one game, having a, a you know the best cauliflower year I'd ever seen because the goalie just decided that he was going to come and get it and take whoever it was in the way with them, but he made sure he that ball was going to be his. I think when you have that level of or lack of confidence, or your goalkeeper basically shows that level of um, sort of you know confidence level. I think that then starts to impart into the, the minds of the central defenders as well. And we have central defenders as maybe inconsistent as what Goldson has been, whether he, whether he suddenly starts thinking about his, you know, a contract and should I sign or not, or am I going to leave, or what am I going to do midway through a game? It looks as if he's got other things in his mind. You know, and I, all in all, I just think that McGregor hasn't helped the situation this season. But then again, I don't think those in front of him have particularly helped either. Um, I think if, if, if you're a, a, a domineering captain, I think at times they would be screaming at McGregor. He's, McGregor has always been quick enough to let people know what he's thinking. I think there's one or, once or twice the finger could have been pointed at him on the pitch mid-game if you're a strong enough you know, guy in front of him or a strong enough captain basically saying either stay in your line or come for it. Don't come this a halfway house because all you're doing is causing absolute consternation and confusion amongst the defenders. But again, with you know that that is a goal. That second goal is a goal that Rangers have conceded 
several times this season. I think that's that's the frustration, and we've we've spoken about this already in the show, but also before we came on air, is that you could see all this coming. It's 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 patterns that Rangers have have demonstrated throughout the season, from Gerard through to Gio. Um, whether it's yeah that that kind of uh, that high floated ball coming in and not being dealt with, or the simple fact that you can have three shots and score two goals, it's it's patterns, it's stuff that we've not learned lessons, and that's the fact that it's it, uh, permeated across two different sets of coaching staff is is remarkably frustrating. Um, Colin, just one last point on the game itself. Um, substitutions. I kind of waxed lyrically yesterday in our previous show about how I feel that Gio has a number of tactical plans that he can he can change the game mid-match to, to to address different situations. And I I do still believe that he makes interesting, let's say, tactical choices and, and can still change a game. Um, he brings on Fashion Sakala uh, and who else was it that he brought on? Uh, Scott Arfield to, to change the game today. Took off Ryan Jack and took off um, Aaron Ramsey. What did you make of those substitutions? The, the biggest surprise was Aribo staying on the park for yeah. me. I, I, I genuinely, I mean, at half time, I was saying to everyone around me, Aribo needs to come off. He's yep. just, I, I, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not one that, that likes to sort of fire criticism at players that, that you know, that they're not interested and they're, they're looking at their next move and all the rest of it. I'd, I'd always attributed Aribo's current form to, just burn out, you know what I mean? He's just not looked the same player since he's came back for the African Cup of Nations, you know, earlier on in the season. There was an argument to say that if he continued that for me, he could have been our player of the year. But since he's came back, he's, he's struggled in it. And I just kind of thought, you know, it's just too many games. He's, he's struggling a wee bit and he's rested. Uh, but he's, def- he's his effort at that second goal, you know, his, his, his effort to defend it. Because... I can't remember who, who he lets go. Is it Starfield? I can't remember. But whoever, it, 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 it doesn't even track the run. He just kind of sort of half shoves him and just watches him running at the box. And it's him that that jumps with Balogun and stops Balogun getting a proper clearance. And then it falls to Lundstrom. He doesn't quite clear it right. And then, bang, it's a goal. And, and, I, and I think Aribo's defending there is, it, it, it points more at not, not burnout, but, I don't give a shit anymore. You know what I mean? I'm I'm fucking done with this. I want it. That's what it looks like. I'm not. I'm not saying that's what it is. I I, I don't know the guy's makeup, but I'm saying looking at that second goal and looking at the effort that he made for it. And then when it goes in, he, he kind of goes Whoa, as if it's, it's everybody else's fault. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's another thing with this team. You know, when things go wrong, they all look at each other. No one goes actually. You know what? That was me. I was part of that. I'm partly to blame, and I need to improve. So yeah, how he stayed on baffled me, and how he then you're thinking right, well the next sub he's going to take him off, and how Aribo stayed on that part for ninety minutes is is baffling. Now I, I do agree with you. I think I think we have seen in recent games that Gio is you know he's always thinking and trying to change things and trying to make some things work. And right, that's not working. Let's change this. And it worked, you know, the, the game against Dundee when when it, when they pushed goals and further forward and just went for it, and it worked. But he's also made some absolutely baffling decisions, and that was one of them today because Aribo just wasn't at the races. It felt to me like we were a man down there. 
and on, on the park. And you know, there was a few players that weren't at it. I mean, Ryan Jack wasn't at it, but if you're asking me who should have went off first, it'd have been Joe Aribo all day. You know, you, you've got more options uh, in terms of replacing Joe Aribo. So, yeah, the subs were baffling and a wee bit worrying. And again, I, I, this thing that Gio needs to, to go, I've, I've, I've seen a few tweets and comments already that Gio needs to be sacked. I don't agree with that. But the, he's losing goodwill. There's no doubt about it. He's making some strange decisions, and yeah, he, he needs to he needs to start changing that soon. He needs to start getting some some good runs behind him. But in, in terms of moving him on or sacking him, or whatever, I don't think we can even consider that until he has his own team. You know, he starts recruiting, bringing in players, and then then you can judge him. Because I mean, I think initially when he came in. You know, this whole keep the zero, that seemed to be working. We went through that period when we stopped conceding. You know, it was like four or five or six games. We weren't conceding and we were winning games 1-0, 2-0, that kind of thing. But whatever's happened, that has totally went out the window. We're conceding far too easily now. So, yeah, don't think it's quite time to pull the trigger on him, but he needs to fix this in the summer. I think I think the point you made there, Carl, is a really good one. I think, I think if you look at the Celtic team today, there are enough players in that team, in fact, in fact, nearly everybody in that Celtic team, you could put down to being one of the current manager's signings. Therefore, there are a hell of a lot of guys out there thinking that they owe him one just for being a Celtic yeah. player now. And I don't think there is that same um, kind of desire or willingness among certain Rangers players just now because I think they see themselves as being Steven Gerrard players and if they don't agree or they don't like the way the manager's putting things across to them or they don't like the way they're being coached, well, I can see out my contract, I'll just go. As opposed to actually saying, well, I still want to be a Rangers player. And I think I think what's going through, or what's happening with a lot of players just now at Ibrooks is they're playing for themselves and not necessarily playing for Rangers. And that for, that for me is... You know, that's one of the, the kind of ultimate criticisms is that you get guys out there that you can see that are capable and you can see what they should be doing, but they're playing within themselves and playing for themselves rather than giving their all for the shot. And that would apply to any team. Stuart, how much of the blame do you think lies at the at the feet of the manager today or or do you think there needs to be split with other parties, with the, the, the players, the scouting department, the, the management of the club? No, I think I, th- I think I think there's there is I think there is blame to be shared and shared evenly in a in a whole in a great many departments. The one thing you know, we were when when Colin was talking there about uh, you know various players. The one thing that struck me a few times today, and I and I usually pick up on this kind of kind of relatively quickly, is the actual formation that Rangers were playing. Or Rangers, the formation that Rangers weren't playing, or the Rangers that, or the, or the, the, the formation that seemed to confuse Rangers and how they should be playing. Were they, were they playing at times with one guy up front, or were they trying to play at times with kind of almost like a somebody in a false nine position? And where was the actual threat going to come from? Were they, were they suddenly going to play with, you know? More than one attacking midfield player, or 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 through the middle, or two attacking midfield players through the middle. They seem to have a lot of players getting into different positions, who then didn't seem very sure how they actually ended up in that position. And 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 that for me, I, you know, again, I just thought that was another kind of failing in Rangers' part 
that they weren't quite sure how they, you know, where they should be should be playing. Um, I, I, all, all in all, um, I, I think there were there were too many who they tried a bit, they tried hard. Somebody looks as if they didn't try at all, but there were there were not many who appeared to be absolutely dejected and gutted by only getting a five out of ten or leaving the pitch with a two-one defeat. I think that's um, that's probably the best way to sum it up. I mean, we've we've not really even spoken about the absence of Morelos and 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 the way that that might have impacted the game. But I'm I'm conscious of time, and there's a few other things that I want to get to here. Um, I'll, I'll stick with yourself, if I may, Stuart. Um, we've obviously we've now find ourselves in a position of being six points behind, with I think six games remaining. But when you consider the the, the goal difference, it's it's effectively seven points behind. Is there any hope of recovering this and, and and still having a shot at winning the league this year? With about nine games to go, uh, Ross, or ten games to go, or whatever it was, you, you know, I might have been guilty of it as well. You could talk up the chances of Rangers by saying they are X number of points behind, but there are two games against Celtic to be played. And if those games were won, you could, you know, you could see Rangers putting and applying pressure to Celtic. One of those games has now gone and there was nothing taken from it. And you find yourself now at a stage where they're, you know, they're running out of games, but they now have a, I have to say, the league looks insurmountable. The, Celt- the current Celtic team, whilst they might not be the most convincing, they don't look as if they're going to suddenly collapse like a cheap wardrobe any any given week. They seem to grind. They seem to actually be able to grind out the kind of results that Rangers fans would be desperate for their team, uh, or, or reach the performance levels that they'd be happy for their team to reach. And I think just now, um, I, I just think it's beyond Rangers. They might if they win if they win the remaining old firm game. If and it's a, it's suddenly become, you know. And if printed in 48 points, I think it, it, it's a huge if. If they now win that, and they're still going to be trailing, that, today was a game that Rangers couldn't afford to lose and they lost it. And I have to say, Colin referred to a few games previously. You could see this result coming around and that Rangers were losing ground, losing momentum, and they hit the buffers today. To be honest, I think it's as good as gone. Colin, how about yourself? I mean, we've been here before. You know, we've been here in 2005, Celtic turn up at Celtic Park after the split, you know, and go five points clear and everybody thinks the league's over. And then we get Helicopter Sunday and, you know, a momentous moment and we'll never forget it and all that kind of thing. But on this occasion, I would say that based on the form, you know, Rangers have been huffing and puffing for a while. And I, I sort of said this, I think I said this in a show a couple of weeks ago, my, my concern was we're huffing and puffing against teams like Dundee and St. Johnston and you know, teams in, in, in the bottom six that are going to stay in the bottom six. You know, what's, what's going to happen when, when the split comes and we're going to Tynecastle and we're going to Easter Road and we're going to Celtic Park and we're playing teams that are that are up for it. I just, I just, I don't trust this team to win the, the, the remainder of their games and 
I just can't see Celtic. You know, we need snookers now. We need essentially we need Celtic to lose two and a draw. Can you see that happening? I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not conceding until it's mathematically impossible, but yeah, it's, it's a long way back to this. You know, the Rangers, I, I think even a draw today left us in, a, in a, a tricky situation. I think we needed to win. And, you know, I win today with a set up April in terms, you know, going into Bragg on Thursday and, you know, the semi final and all these kind of things that would have put a proper bounce in our step. I think this is this is flattened us, you know what I mean? And now every game in April looks like a, a proper challenge. And it's just I mean the Morelos injury, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use that for today. My bigger concern is, is moving forward with Morelos. But yeah, I'm looking at the fixture list in April now thinking, you know what, I can see us ending the season with nothing. You know, no mm-hmm. no trophies at all. That's that's the way it's looking. And then that question about the pressure that Gio's under. Starts to look very, very different, doesn't yeah. it? Hopefully. Um, you know, we, we spoke yesterday about how momentous this month is. It's, it's almost farcical the, the, the amount of different things we're playing for in the month of April. Um, and it's gotten off to a really, really disappointing start. Um, speaking of things that are disappointing, um, to move away from the footballing action, just to close out the show, Stuart, we've, um, we've seen over the past few weeks, whether it's a reaction to the Sydney Super Cup, which is obviously now off the table or, or whatever else it might be, um, there have been some really disappointing things coming from the stands. Um, and and to speak frankly, Rangers fans, uh, a, a small number of Rangers fans or individual Rangers fans are letting the wider fan base down with um, you know songs that should remain kind of dead and buried. And I think today probably took a... a a further step in a more sinister direction. Um, we had a, a, some some items thrown on the pitch at one of the Celtic players when he was taking a corner. Um, allegedly, one of the Celtic backroom staff has is needed, you know, treatment and stitches for, for after receiving he's been struck by something that was thrown from the stands. But also this stuff about broken glass or a broken bottle being thrown onto the into the goal mouth area that Joe Hart was going to be defending at the start of the second half. Um, that's a new one for me. I've never seen that before. Um, what are your your thoughts on what we've seen there today? Um, it's absolutely disgusting, and there are certain elements of the Ranger support who would be the first to jump on social media and complain bitterly if that was to happen in the direction of any of their players. Yet they are, you know. They're targeting opposition players. There's a generation who think um, that somebody being hit with a broken bottle is is like something you see in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. They don't actually realise the damage a broken bottle or a bottle hitting somebody can actually do. Now, there are there are several things in terms of the fallout from this. One is that whoever throws the bottle does damage to uh, an opposition player or any player or any official uh, or anybody within the playing surface. And we've seen this encroachment onto the playing surface actually quite a few times. We saw it last, last week when you had, you know, a, a, a supposed celebratory game and people came on the pitch, therefore the teams didn't come back out to do a lap of honour. Now, you've now got people throwing bottles one, they should be identified. Two, they should be, um, you know, charged. And 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 forget this. Well, we've hit them with a lifetime ban. 
So what? You know, it, it's, it's almost like when they hit a lifetime ban, half of them are, are not really that interested whether they ever see Rangers again. They just want to make a point or prove a point to either their pals or whatever it is. Get them locked up. Get them locked up. And if the courts don't lock them up, Rangers should actually take them to court. Rangers should take them to court for endangering either either players or opposition players or whatever. It, football has no place for bottles getting thrown in the pitch. And they certain, certainly football doesn't have any place for the mindless idiots that would actually throw it. As for the demonstrations going on, there are ways of demonstrating and, and ways of making your voice heard and making your protest known. It almost backfired in Rangers up at Dundee when they had their, you know, um, when Sports Direct's entire stock of tennis balls were sold out in one weekend when they decided, well, this, this is great, let's let's make a, put a, you know, make a demonstration and make a stand here about this game in Australia. What did it actually do? It actually broke co- the concentration levels within the Rangers team. It almost backfired and they got away with it. Today, when you're looking for Rangers to get back into the game, all of a sudden the game's delayed because they have to go sifting through the grass to find out if there's any broken glass in the goal mouth. Now, if they miss one piece of glass, it might not be Joe Hart. Imagine that had been Roof or Kent or Jack or whoever it was that suddenly came across that bit of broken glass. I mean, these people are absolute clowns. They're idiots. There's no place in football and, and whatever the, the sanctions are that are taken against them and if they find them, then it's it's it still won't be enough for me. Colin, it almost feels kind of silly how often we've had to ask this this next question on this podcast in, in, in various different contexts, but what can or what should Rangers be be doing about this? Um, in a packed stadium, there's, there's, there must be scores of people that know or saw who it was that, that, that threw these items, that, that threw the broken glass, that threw the, the items that have struck the Celtic backroom member. Um, what action should the, the club be taking right now to either to punish that individual, but also to make sure it doesn't happen again? Uh, I mean, what Stuart mentioned there, I mean, in terms of lifetime bans, I, I mean, that's that's probably the maximum in terms of what the club can do and in terms of punishing someone. But I, I, I'm just, I'm just getting a bit scunnered with the whole thing, to be honest with you. you know what I mean, I, I don't understand. Well, I'm not in, in terms of. You know certain songs and all the rest that, that you know the Billy Boys reappeared today and it was it was fairly loud and it's it's been a while since it's been that loud. I'm not going to lie, you know I, I've sang that song in the past, but you know, I reached a point in my life when I felt be doing that it, I wasn't representing Rangers in the best possible way, and that's what I want to do. That's why I do this. That's why I've got a blog about Rangers. You know, you, if, if if you love something, you want to represent it well. And I love my club. I, I love the city that I come from and. So I want to represent it well, and I, I, I just don't understand why people chucking bottles. I, I don't see how they think that that is them representing the club well. You know, what I mean, I, I just don't get that mindset. Uh, and, and it's the same with some of the songs. Then they must know that it's hurting Rangers. They, they must know that it's hurting the, the, the reputation and the support. And they continue to do it. And. You know, I mean, I'm, even even some semi-finals now when I go to, I, I, I'm, I'm just getting scunnered with some of the things that I see. You know, there are some absolute bellends in our support. And that's the best way I can put it. 
honestly. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat's uh, going away here, but it's 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 staggering. It really is. I mean, broken glass. That that is that's just a new one in me. I must admit, it's just and it's a stupid point to do. It could have been a Rangers play, you know. The, no, not that that makes it any worse or better, but the, the person that's doing that, are they not thinking? Well, I, I don't want to injure my own player. You know what I mean? I, 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 it just staggers me that, that these people continue to do it. I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily just a Rangers problem. It's, it's a society problem. And I don't think Celtic, you know, they, they're no squeaky clean in this issue either. But, you know, we've got to look after ourselves here. And it's just, it's, it's not good enough, you know. And, and another thing, I mean, Stuart was talking about it earlier on with the tennis balls and stuff like that. But breaking the momentum and all that. It done that today. The two teams came out. I mean, Rangers came out the ground, you know, right, come on, Rangers, let's go. And then you've got to wait like five, six minutes. Probably. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the second half kicked off, the, the, the stadium's quiet again. You know, that yep. whole momentum that had been sort of built up with the team coming back out, right, come on, let's get together, let's go here. Kill, absolutely kill. Why, while several sort of stewards and uh, club officials are, are, are out there looking through the glass, no, or, sorry, looking through the grass to find the glass, Mm-hmm. It's just it's ah, it's piss poor. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, it's 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 pathetic. Stuart said it's disgusting. That's that's the word for it. It's it's piss poor. It's it's embarrassing and it's shameful. And look, I agree with you there, Colin. This is not a, a Rangers problem in and of it. I mean, crowd issues and 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 poor behaviour at, at football is not a Rangers problem. I don't even think these things are a football problem. I, I very much sign up to the belief that football holds a mirror up to society. Now, sometimes it holds a mirror up to the worst parts of society yeah. um, and it maybe amplifies some of the worst parts of society. Um, but that's not that's not necessarily a football problem. That's a, a, a societal problem with the cocktail of then drink and, and drugs. You know, I've seen a, an interesting report a couple of weeks ago about the rise in, in use of cocaine um, yeah. and, and cocaine-related arrests down in, in English football. I don't know how that's reflected in Scotland. Um but we probably all have stories about the the, the toilets at halftime at Ibrooks. Um So I, I think that this is a, a footballing, a, sorry, a societal problem that football reflects and, and probably does amplify. But the, the specific incidents that we've seen today, I just think are, are deplorable and are, are unforgivable. And I'm really pleased in a way at the reaction of the Rangers fan base, which has been universal condemnation. I mean, we, we still kind of mock Celtic for the old firm shame game of 1999, I think it was, um, you know, Hugh Dallas and the coin and and the like. Um, And the thing that saddens me really is that I I feel that sometimes as a fan base, Rangers fans, we can be very, very quick to, uh, you know, highlight how poorly we're treated by the media. The media hate Rangers fans. The media want to demonise Rangers fans. Well, let's stop writing the script for them then. Yeah, we hand we hand them gifts. Like oh, this. absolutely! You know I mean, absolutely, absolutely hand them. Um, see the people, see the people that indulge in this behaviour. They're the ones that complain about mm-hmm. the sort of reputation, mm-hmm. and and, and that, that's just what I don't get. You know what I mean? If, it's if, don't get me wrong. I, I understand some of the frustrations, and there are frustrations around. You know, obviously things between the supporters and the board aren't great at the moment. Rep, uh, the relations there are a bit poor. I think we saw a wee display at halftime today that also highlights where a lot of frustrations coming from in terms of how a certain other story is being reported. But that doesn't excuse chucking 
a, yeah. a, a glass bottle onto a pitch at half time. It doesn't excuse chucking a missile towards uh, you know a, a member of the backroom staff at Celtic. It's just it's nonsense. It's uh, it's nonsense. It really is, and uh, it's piss poor. There's no other way to describe it. That's it. That's it. Look, I think what we'll do is we will we'll leave it there. Um, a really really difficult day, I think, for for us all. Uh, not just the result, but but what it means for the context of the season, what it means going forward to the Champions League next year as well. So um, a difficult day, but we I, I guess we now regroup. We focus on Thursday, which <laughs> it's the, the contrast and emotion that we could feel coming towards the end of this this coming week is, is is staggering. If we can put ourselves in a strong position with the first leg of the Europa League quarterfinals with Braga, um, we will of course at Jersnet will be back for a wee preview show, and and uh, the show will be back next Sunday to look back on how we've got on in that first leg as well as the uh, the game against Mirren next Sunday as well. So please do join us for that. That'll be next Sunday, 9.30pm on the Jersnet YouTube channel. But of course, the show is always available for downloads wherever you get your podcast from the next morning. I want to say a massive thanks to both Colin and Stuart for uh, for giving up their their time. Uh, I won't lie, it's never easy speaking about an old firm defeat a few hours after the event. So thank you very much to the two of them. And thanks to everyone who's joined in and given us their evening on the YouTube stream there as well and for letting you letting us know your, your thoughts your questions, your comments, and, and uh, a thanks to Frankie as well for marshalling that. Uh, like I say, the show will be back next week. Um, in the meantime, please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk. Get signed up to the forum if you've not done so already. We will speak to you uh, in the coming days. Keep your eye on the social media channels and you'll get all the details. Until then, goodbye for now.